Hi there, I'm Kristen Ciccolini, functional nutritionist and menstrual health educator at Good Witch Kitchen. I want to tell you about my cycle syncing course called Cycle Magic, which is an evidence-based program for those who feel like misfits in the world of wellness and who are ready for a more intuitive approach to their health. The course goes in-depth on how the menstrual cycle works, nutrition for happy hormones, and reducing PMS symptoms. Plus, you'll learn about the patriarchal societal structures that keep us from connecting with our bodies, and you'll learn how to develop your intuitive superpowers and apply them to food and movement. It's a robust resource intended to help you live a more cyclical, magical, empowered, and full life without period problems holding you back. You can get $100 off of Cycle Magic with code LUNARLOVE when you visit goodwitchkitchen.net. We're made to feel belittled and condescended to whenever we talk about our spirit, our soul, our energy. When we romance the self, it's tapping into the truths around us that we can't necessarily quantify or measure through science yet. It's still real for us. And so for me, romancing the self is first understanding that like the self is connected. Myself is connected to the world. Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. Hello and welcome to this episode of season two. This is our second ever episode of our season two of Empowered Spirituality. And I can't think of any better guest than Irene Lowe. And if that name sounds familiar, maybe that's because you recognize her from season one, where she was joined by Harpender Mann, her partner with um, the Women of Color Summit. If you remember that episode, it was really, really good. And if you want more of Irene after you listen to this and you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you give it a listen because it was really, really good. Um, This time it was just Irene who joined me and we talked a lot about tarot and yoga. Um, We talked about capitalism in yoga. We talked about, um, so she teaches online yoga She also has an online yoga club, which is really, really cool. And I really encourage you to check out. Um, But we talk about like all things, well, not all things, but lots of things online yoga. And we also talk about how to um, like preserve our energy in the online space. I know a lot of us over the last two years have been very connected in either online communities, mandatory or fun. (laughs) Um, maybe we're working online and especially when there was really intense lockdowns, um, we found a lot of community and support and social stuff online. And that was really fun and really awesome for me at least. But then I know I'm not the only one. I started to burn out. Um, and it feels like I spend so much of my time on zoom that the last thing I want to do at the end of the day, after staring at my screen all day is join another zoom meeting. And so we talk about 
how to mindfully engage with these communities online in a way that still feels really good and also feels different than our online like work um, stuff that we have going on. So I really loved her tips as a consumer and also for online yoga as well and how to combat online yoga burnout or online exercise burnout. And she has a really, really unique way of approaching online yoga, which I think is really, really amazing. Um, so if you're interested in that, I really urge you to check out her Patreon. Uh, it's all linked in the show notes. Uh, we also talk about community and the importance of community. I it's getting to the point where I don't think there's a single episode this season. <laughs> Maybe it's a new drinking game. Just kidding. Um, where we don't talk about community and the importance of community and also like how to find community. Um, so we talk about that, but we also talk about the different types of rest, which I thought was so interesting. A lot of Irene's yoga is rest-based or it has um, aspects of radical rest uh, intertwined in it. And so she also tells us about the different types of rest. And if we're craving a certain kind of rest, what might be needed for those things. I thought that was really, really cool and, and not something I had ever heard someone really articulate. We also talk about listening to our bodies and deepening our intuition and how we can get started when that's not really an easy thing for us to do, uh, which is really, really important. We talk about tarot, which I love. Um, I've been reading tarot for about two years now, but I'm still... Um, I was going to say at the beginner level, but Irene made a comment about um, how she doesn't like using the word advanced in yoga. So I feel like beginner and advanced in tarot would probably be similar. So I'm still at my beginning stages of tarot uh, where I read for my friends or for guests um, that have come on personally. Um, but I don't like, I don't know what everything means without having to look it up. You know what I mean? Um, so it was really cool to hear some of the examples she used, but then also hear about her, what she teaches about decolonizing the tarot. And I, I will let her explain that in the episode, but I thought it was really, really interesting, especially as someone who is still in the beginning stages of learning tarot. Um, so I think that's really, really interesting. And I had never thought of it that way or heard anyone talk about it that way. So I, I really urge you to listen to that as well. We talk about how to be trauma-informed, both in reading tarot and with yoga. And that kind of ties into listening to our body. Um, Irene is just so cool. She's so articulate and she has a way of phrasing things that is so special and so poetic. I felt that a lot of what she said was so poetic. That was the word I was looking for. Um, because you know I stopped mid-interview to tell her how poetic she is <laughs> um, in my very non-poetic fashion. Just as a reminder, if you want to watch our interview, you can do so on YouTube. YouTube doesn't have this initial space where I give an introduction and just kind of chit chat, um, but it does have a video of me and my guest chatting. Uh, and last week it was a video of just me. Um, my lips are really chapped. I was just editing the video. My lips are really chapped and it looks like um, my lips are like a few sizes bigger because it looks like um, 
I overlined my lips. And so I had a kick out of watching that. So if you want to see what that looks like, <laughs> you could go to my YouTube channel. It's Empowered Spirituality. Uh, and it's linked in the show notes as well. All the interviews will have a video component, which is so exciting. Um, I think that's all I had for this uh, intro with Irene. Um, Irene Lowe, she, her, is the creator of Irene Yoga Flow. She is a mystic and movement guide for women of color and allies. She is a cis Taiwanese Canadian with Han and Hakka ancestry who believes yoga is a spiritual practice of radical rest. She teaches group classes and private sessions in Vancouver. She offers an online yoga club that you can learn more about on Patreon or in the show notes below. Um, she also offers tarot readings one-on-one -on -one and other events. She is hosting or um, participating in a uh, capitalism and yoga workshop. I think she said on the 12th. Uh, but I'll link that below as well. Um, if you're listening to this in real time, maybe you can catch it. It's on the weekend. Um, Irene, as you may remember, is also the co-creator of the Women of Color Summit, which is a brave space for Black, Indigenous, and women or women identifying and non-binary people of color to show up authentically in community. She is currently based on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, which includes the territory of the Musqueam, the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh nations. I hope I'm pronouncing those correctly and you can also see the spelling below, just in case. Um, her Patreon is Irene Yoga Flow. You can see the link below. Her website is ireneyogaflow.com. I really hope you enjoy this interview with Irene. She is so wonderful, so sweet and uh, just I'm really grateful too, to um, be able to have this community. That's what I wanted from Empowered Spirituality when I started it. Um, I don't didn't want just people to come on just to do interviews, right? I wanted to, I mean, yes, but <laughs> I wanted to have a community where we can support each other and grow together and like have a friendship. Uh, and I really feel like that's what I have with some folks like Irene and some other people that I've uh, had the pleasure of encountering. So I, I really appreciate that she's back on. And I, if you like her work or if you like what you hear, I would really urge you to support her. The really cool thing about Patreon is that it has other tier or lots of tiers. So you can interact with Irene at a low cost as well as book those one-on-one -on -one sessions and stuff like that. So I think it's really cool. Irene has a tier system of ways that you can work with her. So, so inclusive and so accessible. All right, that's enough chit chat from me. I hope you enjoy this episode with Irene Lowe. Welcome back to season two, Irene Lowe. It's so great to have you. It's so good to be back, Samantha. Oh, this is so exciting. This is the first interview of season two and we're starting it off with a fan fave. Um, you might remember Irene from season one where we talked about the Women of, of Color Summit that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun episode to be on. It was so nice to receive that invitation and just talk about that work. So thank you. You're welcome. And it's so nice to stay connected too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, before we dive in, because I also want updates on everything you've been up to, not everything you've been up to, <laughs> that might be too much, <laughs> um, but I'm going to pull a card for us. It's from The Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein, and they're just affirmations. So I don't know if you can hear my dog barking. Um, it could be for us, for me, for you, or for a listener. It could inform the conversation or not. this is perfect. I create mindful moments throughout the day, reminding myself that I am love and miracles are natural. Mm. I love, and that's totally what you're doing with your, with your online yoga. You're creating mindful moments throughout the day. I love that. Thank you. I feel like that is what you're doing with this podcast. Oh, that's so nice. I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, so give us an update on anything you want to update us on. I don't, I think we talked maybe in October or September. Yeah, it has been a while, but um, yeah, when we talked with you, there was so much going on with the Women of Color Summit, which I'm uh, a co-creator and co-founder of. Um, I went to LA, we held a one day retreat for our group program, which was wonderful back in November before Omicron um, variant came out. Um, And that was just such a beautiful experience with about 10 beautiful souls. Um, And then after that, uh, we came back, well, I came back because I'm not from LA. And uh, we started our second cohort for our group program, Deepening Your Spiritual Practices and Community. We just wrapped that up last week. Still fresh in my heart. Uh, Such a beautiful experience in terms of walking that journey of decolonizing spirituality and community. And uh, yeah, so there's just been so much uh, experiences that I've been facilitating, but also immersed and meshed in. Uh, for Irene Yoga Flow, things have been going well as well, doing more workshops with yoga organizations. I have one coming up actually next week um, with yoga outreach. It's called The Body is Not a Machine, where we talk about disrupting capitalism in the yoga world. So I'm pretty excited about that. It is an offshoot of my signature group program, Radical Rest, where we talk a lot about how yoga can be a practice of radical rest. Wow, that's so exciting. And what what is the day of that workshop? It is March 12th and the 13th, and it runs from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific on Zoom both days. Oh, at first I heard midnight. <laughs> I was like, oh. wow, that's a lot of yoga. <laughs> it's a little marathon, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. cool. And is that in person or is that online? It's all online. Oh, yeah. cool. So people listening, maybe you can still get in as this comes out. That would be so cool. Yeah, yeah. That would definitely be fun. Love to see you all there if you do uh, listen to this episode. Yeah, I know. Hopefully in time. I always uh, hate when I hear episodes that have been released prior and then I hear about a cool opportunity and I'm like, oh, I missed it. But the cool thing is, is that you have a lot of yoga offerings or you have some really cool ones. So one, when did that start? And two, what does that look like? Yeah, so um, 
my yoga business, I primarily focus on my Patreon. So I have an online yoga and tarot club that started last year, very, very quietly, just um, to focus on my newsletter list. I wasn't really promoting it actively. I was still trying to figure out how I wanted my space to be. And so this year I'm really focusing my online energy towards um, cultivating that space for yoga and for tarot and for building that intuition work. So um, that's really where that offering came from, my online yoga club. And uh, I know that like you wanted to ask me like some questions about online yoga asana and the reason why I didn't do a big push for it last year was because I was still figuring out my relationship to online yoga, how it mm. works, how it differentiates from in-person experiences, mm. and also figuring out like what yoga can mean in this pandemic climate that we're living in. Because I think post-pandemic, if we are going to be living with COVID, living with what it means to to be out in the world and how to be safe and how to be respectful to others so wow and and what did you find I know that you said you spent some time investigating what those differences look like what did you kind of decide on yeah I mean I think that for me I've had such powerful experiences with online yoga classes, but it took me a while to get there. Mm. For a while, I did believe that in-person was better, meaning that I could have a better experience. I felt like I needed to be in the same space as my teacher. But when I started to experiment with different classes, different offerings, I finally had experiences where I felt like I was in the same room with the teacher, with the facilitator. I felt like I was, I wasn't missing out. And I still felt like I was um, committing to my practice in the same way. I know that online yoga classes can be like harder because it's so much more accountability that you have to do, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. even though the barrier to entry is lower, meaning that like I can go right now, find any class that I want and practice and I can do it anytime. It's, it's almost harder because yeah. there's, there's nothing to really um, hold you to it. And anytime you can stop the class. So it's, right. it can be hard to really stay focused, but like I've had such powerful experiences and meditations and, and nidra practices and asana classes, breathing exercises that when I was reflecting about what kind of offerings I wanted to share, this felt really uh, my relationship to yoga. And I, I wanted to carry that through for other students who maybe had some reasons for why they couldn't go back to in-person classes mm. oh that's beautiful and such a good point about accountability and that yeah there's nothing keeping you from just stopping the video and doing something else but it sounds like you do it more in a club setting do you find that that helps people be accountable with each other yeah I think that having live classes really helps mm. because recordings 
are great, but then again, like you can do them anytime. Whereas I found that if I offer the live class and then offer the replay afterwards, it's sort of like the best of both worlds because people can come and they can feel like they're still doing something with someone at the same time. But if they can't make it, at least they still have the replay afterwards. And I found that like, I love that option. Like even when I'm signing up for things, I love knowing that I have that option to look at the recording. And mm -hmm. it's funny because like at, at the start of the pandemic, I would sign up for so many things and just like not end up looking at any of the things I signed up. But now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but now I find that I'm signing up for less things, but the things that I actually do sign up for, mm -hmm. I am intentional with it. And I actually do listen to the recordings. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, I was actually wondering if you could touch on like screen fatigue, because I think that's something I've experienced as an at-home worker and also like at-home therapy and coaching recipient. But then as someone who offers services, I find that other people are getting screen fatigue, but we also need screens at some times to connect with others. So I was wondering if you had any maybe tips for engaging with online content when you can also like in a way that protects your energy or your eyes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like such a like important question to think about because yes, like a lot of us are working from home and then also getting a lot of our entertainment, our social needs from the screen as well. And I've noticed that I've definitely had more headaches and I've definitely had my, yeah. Sorry, what'd you say? Oh, sorry. I just said that's interesting. Yeah. I've had more headaches being on screen, but uh, for me, I will take breaks throughout the day. And because I do work from home, I, and I do get to make my own schedule. I will block out times where I am not on the screen and also like I find like moving the uh the, the screen further away from me helps so yeah. when I'm practicing yoga asana I usually have this the computer like a few feet away from me so that like I can just focus on listening to the instruction but if I need to I can still glance over but I it's not like directly in my face um for me I also like to uh, in terms of like dealing with Zoom fatigue and screen fatigue, um, it's, it's all really like simple things that I do. Uh, in terms of like sitting, I always sit cross-legged. <laughs> I'm sitting cross-legged right now. My chair allows me to do that, but I need to be able to sit in different ways. I know a lot of people like standing desks. For me, I really like to be able to sit cross-legged. I like to be able to work on opening my hips whenever because I, I don't want to feel like the tightness in my low back um so just some those are the things that I I do yeah and that's such a good point too that when you're in a yoga class you're not this far apart from your teacher you're across the room from them typically yeah yeah you don't need to have the screen so close to you um yeah, you don't need it really. Like, what is the point? <laughs> yeah, that's such a good point. Um, I love that you offer these suggestions. Not only do you offer online yoga and online resources,
but I saw that on your Instagram today, which is a week ago from when this comes out, uh, one week prior, uh, you offered some tips on how to make your yoga online space more cozy. And I thought that was really fun. Would you mind maybe recapping that post for us? Yeah, I think that was, um, I was like, I was like working on that post, which is really funny because I was like, I'm not sure if anyone will find this interesting. So thank you for saying that, you know, you found it useful. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it really came about because actually I was living in a 500 square foot apartment with my partner and my cat. Um, Before COVID happened, I was working uh, for a not-for-profit at the time working there. And when I had to work from home, it was actually such a big change because I was in the apartment the whole time and I was starting to feel like I didn't have a place to practice, didn't have a place to work. So those tips that I shared really came from that time when I was feeling like every time I wanted to practice, I was playing Tetris. I had to move the couch this way, I had to move this that way. And I just felt like such a a big ordeal, such a big process. So I started to look at my space and think, what can I do that will make this easy for me? Because I don't want to have all these obstacles in my path because I know that if it's harder for me to create a home practice, I'm just not gonna end up doing it. Like no one wants to um, spend 10 minutes you know, setting up and tearing down. So the one of the first tips is really looking at your space with a with a new eye. So finding whether it's your living room, that's also like your kitchen, finding a space that is relatively open and that you can just push things to the walls um, was one thing that I started thinking, how can I create a space? So in my little shoe box, I was like, okay, so the living room, which is also my partner's work desk slash our kitchen area, I'm, the middle area was pretty bare. So I was like, this is where I'm going to set up my space because we didn't have a coffee table. I could just push things off to the side. Um, so that was like one of the first things that I did, which was just try to think about how I could envision a space for me to practice without hitting things, without falling down, without hurting myself or hurting my possessions. And then after that, I was thinking about how do I continue to create that space, make it still feel like a yoga space, even when I've rolled up my yoga mat, even when I've taken off my bolsters. And so I was thinking about how do you adorn with intention? How can you get rid of objects that have no value for you and bring in objects that do have a spiritual connection? And so these things I was thinking of would be small, like maybe like, um, a handwritten note, an affirmation, perhaps it is a photograph of your ancestors, perhaps it is incense, perhaps it is a plant, a small one that wouldn't hurt if, if you placed it in a corner somewhere like that, and just get rid of all those things that um, have no value besides the decorative aesthetic purposes. So that was another thing that I did. So I I didn't really have a lot of decorations. I did have some plants for greenery and nature, but I relied primarily on um, our big windows. We had these big um, wall to ceiling, uh, floor to ceiling uh, windows. So I would just open the blinds and let the sky and and a moon come in. And like that was another way of me bringing in some some energy, some vibrancy um, into the space. 
Another tip that I have, um, which I've, I continue to do this for myself because right now I don't have uh, floor to floor to ceiling. Uh, what is that term? <laughs> but like the, um, the, uh, the, the big windows, I don't have the beautiful view anymore. Um, I have a view of the sky train, which is like our public, our public transit. But um, I, I like to cleanse and purify the space because I find that that helps to move away stagnant energy. So before practice and after practice, I will work with the elements. So I will uh, either incense or I will uh, spritz myself with a mist made from my shamanic teacher. And then I'll do that. I might also light a candle as well during my practice. And these things really help to ground me. Mm. So like, it's really easy to, to set up and press play. And then all of a sudden I got to make dinner. Ooh, I got to check the mail. Ooh, let me just quickly do something. But I find that when I um, create that intentional space, have that space be free of any physical distractions, but only have mementos that keep me connected to my purpose of doing the practice. And then having these little before and after care chips, I can really stay focused and present and completely in the practice. Um, and if sense is a lot for you, um, dowsing with water, having diffusers are also just alternatives that are gentler and milder that can still kind of be ways to work with the elements. And then finally, uh, living with someone is a you have to communicate your needs so whether you live with a roommate whether you live with family your partner let them know that you need some time for quiet um, you know whether they are out of the place or whether they are doing a quiet activity just knowing that I need some time can you please give me some time and working that out but ultimately uh accepting that the home practice is going to be a little bit, um, there's always going to be distractions. At the end of the day, no matter how much that we do to create this space, knowing that there is going to be distractions, unless you live in some reclusive apartment in some private zip code, like there's going to be mailbox, you can hear like my space right now, I'm literally above the, um, the intercom system. So every time someone has delivery, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I know when someone is coming in, but I, I, I have accepted it, right? There's no, and it's actually made my practice stronger because before I would notice it and get really distracted, perhaps angry and upset. Um, but now I notice it and I am not destabilized. I'm not moved from my center. And sometimes I don't even notice that there are noises around me. And I think that that is um, what we're trying to get at with our yoga practice, which is really to go within. Oh, that's beautiful. And I love that you described all these ways that we can ground with intention instead of just rushing over, plus pressing play and like getting a workout in or playing half the video and deciding to do something else. I think that's really beautiful. I wanted to talk about the, the upcoming workshop that you're doing is about looking at capitalism in yoga. And then also your signature program is all about rest and radical rest. Um, I was wondering if you could touch on that a little bit for us. 
Yeah, um, these offerings came from my relationship to capitalism and to work. So I think like many of us, we've been in work environments that have been toxic, where we weren't valued, where we were taken advantage of, and where we felt really gaslit. Um, I was working at places where I didn't value myself and my bosses didn't value me, even though I was doing great work. And I was depressed, I was tired, I had stomach issues and really bad um, acne. And uh, it was no wonder that, that my body was showing me, you know, on the outside that my work, my relationship to work was, was impacting me. And it wasn't until that I started to get deeper into my yoga practice that I started to see the similarities between how I was using the yoga practice and how I was being treated at work. Because in both instances, I was treating my body like a machine. I wasn't listening to it. I thought I was, but as we know, the yoga space and the mystical marketplace is, is just selling us things, but there's no heart behind it, right? There's no soul behind it. And so this offering is a way for me to work with women of color, as well as with allies who are burnt out, who want to uh, make a difference, but have felt that their inner flame, their inner spark is a little snuffed out, right? Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're working for someone else, like so many of us have a difficult relationship with rest right? Because one, wellness has now turned into hustle. We have to know the most, we have to do the most. And like, I hate this, this word, but like, we want to be advanced, right? And mm -hmm. so it's, it's this competition. But then not even that, but it's like, we, we can't even get into the spirit of what the yoga and what all of these practices are, are guiding us towards, which is finding our inner light, finding our inner being our intuition our our guides our ancestors and tuning into that wisdom mm. and when we rest we are able to do that we are able like we can't even like get to it's it's almost like when you think about like how can you even get to enlightenment when you are so stressed out like, how can you get to point C when you haven't, when we haven't even dealt with this base foundation? I feel like rest is the foundation. It's your safety. It's, it's your, your ability to, to move on. Um, so really, like, I want to offer this workshop as well as this group program as a way for us to, like, talk about our relationships to rest and what are the systems of oppression that prevent us from from accessing that rest mm. yeah wow that's that's so beautiful and so huge and such a service you're doing and also makes me think of creating those mindful moments from our card too yeah um, definitely yeah <laughs> Thank you.
As I began the journey of shifting my career to a job that aligned with my values and beliefs, having an education in health coaching has been transformational. Through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you can become a certified health coach to empower your relationship with food, health, and wellness, live your dreams, earn while you learn, and embark on a new path. Join the global community of like-minded change agents who are here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to create the life you've always dreamed of by clicking the link in the show notes. And by doing so, you'll receive $2,000 off tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off tuition if you choose the payment plan option. Or you can mention my name, Samantha Nagel, spelled N-A-G-E-L. Discover how to take a holistic and nourishing approach to health and wellness today. What was your relationship? So I know that you were in that environment where you weren't valued and then you were like kind of on that journey to find restorative rest and, and like integrate those practices what was the um like what do you wish you had known then that you know now that you'd like to tell yourself or tell someone else yeah I wish I had uh known that there is community that there are people out there that feel the same way like I do and that it is safe to to talk about your your emotions, to talk about things that you might be scared to talk about, because there's just so much conflict um, when you are someone who who wants to work and give, but then also wanting to honor your own boundaries. There's a lot of self doubt and second guessing that that can happen when when you're starting to unlearn these capitalist myths that you have to do everything you have to do everything perfectly that you're stronger if you are um, mean (laughs) you know and all these things that we're taught about what it means to be professional what it means to be mature what it means to be strong I really had to unlearn those definitions because those weren't my definitions anymore wow that's beautiful and such a hard I feel like for me the the unpacking of my own internalized capitalism has been like layers like I'll be like Mm. oh yeah I guess I don't have to work at my job all the time but it's like it's more than that and it's more than that it's it feels like peeling off the layers of an onion and it shows up even in like how good of a friend I am. I feel like I always have to be working mm. to be a good friend in order to be mm. a good friend. Like I always have to be hustling for my worthiness. Uh, mm. It's ingrained in us so deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it we when we're not working, when we're not doing, we've been told that we're lazy, <laughs> that we are not seen. And it's just not true. It's not true that we always have to give. Relationships have to be reciprocal. We have to, and and like that also leads to like 
you know what you're saying, you know, I have to give so much to my friends. I have to be the best. And like, that is how we can be abused and mistreated and traumatized because we're constantly thinking of, of having to pour from our empty cup, not realizing that we also need our cup poured. Oh, that's so true. Um, just as a small example, I was actually at a massage earlier today and I, the whole hour I was thinking of what I had to do when I got back from my massage, like what I had missed working on for that hour. And then at the like 50 minute mark, I was like, hold on a second. Something doesn't seem right about this. (laughs) What's so special is still being able to catch yourself when you do it, not shaming yourself when you realize you do it. So it's so easy to do too. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, I love that. Like, I feel like that was a mindful moment, (laughs) a growth moment, right. Of like, of noticing and stepping back, seeing your thought patterns and whether they're going to help you or not. And in that instance, that was 50 minutes of a massage that you spent planning. And, you know, I honestly, I do the same thing. I had uh, trouble with sleep last year and Mm. I would just lie in my bed and just think about uh, what I would do for the next day. But it, it, and it would just keep me up for hours at a time. So, and even that, like we, we cannot give ourselves that time to like rest and there are different types of rest. It's not just like sleep, which is not rest. Um, Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about the, well, actually I thought about that with TV. I feel like a lot of times you hear rest as watching a lot of movies or TV, which it totally can be. Um, But I would like tune out for hours in front of the TV and then be like, why don't I feel rested? And it's because it wasn't super restful for me. <laughs> yeah, there are different types of rest, right? Like um, sometimes we need mental rest. So zoning out in front of the TV can be really restful, right? Mm-hmm. Not having to think, um, especially because our society is so built on logic and rationale and using the mind. Mm-hmm. But other times, we need rest from technology. So maybe being in front of the television wasn't good after a while. Sometimes we need to move our body even when we don't feel like it. And other times we don't need to move our body. Um, even just like for me, like last week, I was doing an asana class. I was being led and I, I was, it wasn't working. It was not happening. I was like, this is not what I need today. And I did a, I practiced a guided meditation and yoga nidra practice instead. And then afterwards I was like, that's what I needed. That was the rest that I needed that day. Yeah, that is beautiful. And that sounds like a lot of what you do with your work is helping people go back within. And part of that is figuring out what you need in the moment. Mm, Yeah, it's so hard to listen to what our body needs we have been so disconnected, forcing our will over the intelligence of our body that now being able to listen to my body is such a gift. Being able to know when I'm hungry, when I just want a snack, when I want to move, when I want to move slowly. These are all qualities of 
integrated relationship with my my body that I really value after having mistreated it, having ignored it. Yes. Wow, that is beautiful. What was one of the first steps you took in that direction? Because I think when we're like at the other side looking at someone who can do that, we're like, how the hell do we get there <laughs> when we're so far <laughs> over here? Yeah, it's it's uh it's like what you touched on, Samantha, which was first becoming aware of your thought patterns. Hmm. Right? Like knowing that this isn't a perfect practice and just being aware when your your stories start to come up and when it, they're activated. So for me, uh, I had to unpack my asana practice and really be responsible and interrogate myself. Like, why am I doing this practice? Like, and, and I noticed a shift. This shift happened um, a few years ago. It was when I started to get deeper into my yoga practice, right? And when I mean deeper, I meant I started to, yes, do more yoga classes, asana classes, but then noticing I wasn't, I was getting more tired. I was getting more fatigue. Uh, I was getting more stressed. I was, I was hungry. I wasn't feeling nourished from my practice. And this is actually quite common for a lot of um, hot yoga practitioners, which that practice like Ashtanga generally attracts a type A personality, the, the, the type of person that wants to do the best and stretch the most. So um, <laughs> that's, that was a little about me back then. Uh, and, and I had to start to ask myself like, what am I, what am I trying to do with this practice? Like, am I just trying to lose water weight? Like, what am I trying to do here? Am I just trying to turn off my brain? Because the thing is, is that like these practices, are they making you more mindful or are they just making you mindless? And like, sometimes you want to feel like that, they call it like the yoga high, right? But other times it's like, I actually want to feel alert. I want to feel connected. And so for me, I started to recognize, recognize when I was treating my body like a machine. Like that was one instance of me treating like my body was a machine. When I was like, I have to go to five classes every week, right? And I don't care, I'm gonna do them. And it was like, what was the point of that? You know, it, the point was for me to check it off and say, I did five classes, but I, I didn't feel better. Um, I wasn't more rested. Um, so that, that wasn't what I wanted to go with my practice. Yeah, and it's, it, it's hard because there is just so much diet and fitness culture in yoga, right? Where they equate what you can do with the body as a sign that you are a, a, like a, an advanced, and I'm using air quotes, right? Like an advanced practitioner. and like I, I have a quote here that I would love to read out. So this is from The Heart of Yoga by Desi Kachar. And he says, however beautifully we carry out an asana, however flexible our body may be, if we do not achieve the integration of body, breath, and mind, we cannot claim that what we're doing is yoga. Mm. Yeah. 
so that is one of my favorite um, books about yoga. But when I read that, I was just like, yes. I was like, that's, that's exactly what it's all about. Like, we can't claim that this yoga asana that we're doing is, mm-hmm. is yoga if we're just focused on uh, performing for others. Like this is a practice for ourselves. It does not matter like what it looks like. It doesn't matter um, how many times we go to class. If on the inside, there's nothing happening. Wow. Do you feel like that's part of the benefits of online yoga that you, especially if your camera's turned off or you're not doing it live, you're probably not performing as much for other people? Oh yeah. Like I have students who they tell me that like, Uh, they can be a little bit shy about moving in groups and being able to practice online. It's not, it's turn off the camera, but also knowing that like I'm practicing by myself too. So there's, it helps in terms of like that autonomy and choice because it can be nerve wracking to, to move and you might be a little bit more stiffer and see everyone else do the same pose and a synchronized movement. Um, it takes a while for, for us sometimes to realize that like, well, we can, be, we can be on the same journey, but doing different things. Wow, that is really cool. Um, and just as a side note, I totally feel you about hot yoga. I had like all these images of me pushing myself, even though it felt like I was gonna pass out when all I really wanted to do was just lay down for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I started off with hot yoga. So like I can spend like hours talking about this, but it's it, it it's it's really harmful. And uh, I know that there, some places they are changing the way that they hold space but a lot of places a lot of teachers still sort of have that militant boot camp way of teaching that is not trauma-informed and that's also not the safest like physically safest for your body yeah that's so true I would like to switch gears to talk about tarot with our remaining time I know that you're combining yoga and tarot for your club and then you also do one-on-one tarot readings is that right Yes, I do. Yay, cool. What was the inspiration behind uh, pairing up yoga and tarot? Yeah, so I feel like it's, I've been asked this question a few times. I feel like I need to perhaps change my marketing (laughs) (laughs) because um, it's, uh, I do bring in some yoga and tarot together, but I mean, ultimately, these are the spiritual practices that have impacted my intuition, my spirituality, my self-worth, my self-love, and it all comes down to that intuition work. Mm. Both practices have helped me be able to tune into my inner teacher within, to the wisdom that I have inside of myself, because a lot of my life has been about not stepping into my power. And through yoga asana, through tarot, I've come into instances and experiences where I'm like I recognize my power I recognize my truth and and I believe in it that is such a beautiful statement do you feel Mm -hmm. like the weight of what you just said too 
<sighs> I'm feeling it with you. <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. And I'm so proud of you to hear that too. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, a lot of this work is about building that, that romance of the self. Um, a lot of my journey is about becoming more enchanted with like who you are. Um, oh, I love that so much. What does that mean to you to be enchanted by who you are? I think it means um, ultimately it's, it's this respect and this gratitude for the unknown. So we live in a disenchanted world. We live in the post-enlightenment world where we only trust what we can see, what we can measure. Everything else is met with skepticism, with doubt. We're made to feel, we're made to feel belittled and condescended to whenever we talk about our spirit, our soul, our energy. And when we romance the self, it's tapping into the truths around us that we can't necessarily quantify or measure through science yet, right? Because I just don't, science is not advanced yet to know what <laughs> we know to be true in our hearts and maybe we won't ever know, but it's, it's still real for us. And so for me, romancing the self is first understanding that like the self is connected, myself is connected to the world. And the world is so vast and unknowable. It's mysterious. And that is, that's exciting. That's exciting for me as a Scorpio, <laughs> as uh, someone who, who enjoys kind of diving into deeper waters and exploring our shadows and exploring the parts of ourselves that we may not be acquainted with yet, perhaps because we're scared to, perhaps because we just haven't had the opportunity to. Wow, that is beautiful. Oh my gosh, you have this beautiful ability to phrase phrase things in such a way that's moving and inspirational. You're just so <laughs> articulate and so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, um, I know that part of what you do with tarot also is decolonizing tarot. I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I offer workshops. I actually do a lecture for the Women of Color Summits group program around the history of tarot, interpreting tarot, um, as well as getting us to think critically about who's erased from tarot. So um, I would love to offer this workshop more for tarot lovers, whether they read for themselves or for other people, because I think this is like very, very interesting, which is applying critical theory to our spiritual practices, right? Like we know a lot about, well, I don't know, I can't assume, but there's a lot of discourse online about decolonizing yoga. And I feel that this can also apply for tarot. And there's actually a lot of, um, tarot readers who I, I follow that are doing this this work of, of flipping tarot on its head. So in terms of these workshops that I do, one of the things that I really care about is unpacking the history of tarot because there's a lot of Orientalist legends about the origins of tarot that um, are racist and that is not true. And so 
I do this work of unpacking, okay, where, where did this come from? Where does this myth that tarot comes from Egypt come from? And we trace it to French uh, mystics who were essentially hypothesizing with no, <laughs> no resources, just saying what they, they thought um, and unpacking that and, and grappling with that history. Because that is, if you're, if you're reading the tarot, the 78 tarot cards that come from Renaissance Italy, that is part of the history. And we need to, to know that history, to know, are we repeating these things mm. or are we becoming aware and, and, and knowing where the source really comes from. So that's like one part of the workshop that I do, which is talking about the history of tarot. There's a lot more to get into about that. That's kind of like one of the major, major things. The other part of decolonizing tarot is decolonizing tarot interpretations. So this is like the, the fun part. This is like, okay, if you are a tarot reader, how can we start to read tarot or yeah, how can we start to read tarot in a way that frees us? that expands us, that makes us feel liberated. Because I think that there's a lot in tarot that could be more trauma informed, um, whether it's reading for others or reading for yourselves, like these cards are very, very powerful medicine and they can bring up a lot of stuff for us. And if we, if we don't have a perspective that allows us to work with that card, we can easily fall into um, ways of thinking that may hurt us and actually keep us more tangled in our illusions. So for example, like, um, you, you, you read, do you read tarot? Yes, but I'm still in the beginning or kind of beginning. Yeah. So, uh, okay. That's, that's cool. <laughs> um, I just wanted to know, but, uh, so, you know, like, I just wanted to like, if I was going to say some cards, but yeah, like yes. with the, yeah, like with um, like certain cards, there are traditional meanings associated with them that may not be helpful for us anymore, right? Like with the court cards, if you get, um, you know, the, the Knight of Swords, it might mean that a pale a skinned person is going to come your way or it might mean like a romantic interest is coming your way with Knight of Wands or something like that, or like literally taking um, the king and the queen as, as gender. Mm. Um, so how, how can that harm us, right? When we, when we take, read those cards like that, or how does it, I'm like getting a little bit excited here. <laughs> I'm like, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but like also even like the decks that we use like how are the illustrations the energy of those cards um how are they contributing to our definitions of of the world of what a man looks like of what womanhood looks like right like there's all these ways that we can start to like unpack and divest from ideas from worldviews that do not resonate for us um, so that's like a second component that I do in terms of like in interpretations and, and understanding like what are some ways of interpreting that may feel more abundant for you. And it all comes down to intuition work. So I, I'm an intuitive archetypal tarot reader. So I, I rely on my intuition, but I also love to 
get really nerdy about all the astrological associations and all of, you know, the numerological associations. So I have that as well, but I really like to teach to my students and my workshops um, what intuitive reading can really mean and how it can liberate us and just some of the pros and cons associated with, with intuitive reading styles. Wow, no wonder you're getting excited. That's really exciting things that I don't think I would have ever thought of on my own. So I really appreciate you saying that and it does give me a lot to think about. Yeah, I would have to say that the more you do tarot, just like with yoga, the, the deeper it gets. Like my gender relationship has completely transformed through tarot. Wow. Yeah, wow, it's cool. just, yeah, it's, it's just so, so powerful to, to work with these archetypes and to recognize these moments, these energies in our lives. And it's so reaffirming when you, when you get the cards and you see, see what you've been feeling, but you just didn't, you couldn't articulate it. Yes. Yes, that is so cool. Um, I wish I had them by me, but just this last weekend, oh, we were supposed to record last weekend and we had to reschedule. Um, my mom found some tarot cards from my grandmother and I have never met her, but I've always been really connected to her. And so I've been uh, flipping through those and they're so old. You can like see the weather around the cards and they're just so special. But I asked for um, a lion before I went to go visit my mom. And the first card I pulled from my grandmother's was the strength card that has the lion on it. It was so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Oh, there's so much energy and like an old deck of cards too. Yeah. I know. So cool. Oh, thank yeah. you so much for talking to me about tarot and yoga. Um, this is so cool. Is there anything else we didn't touch on that you'd like to make sure we touch on today? You know, I just feel that this conversation has been um, so great. I feel like we talked about so many topics and I hope that um, your listeners will be able to gain some new insights from this. There's, there's so much that we can talk about when we talk, when we talk about the benefits of online yoga asana and, and how we can start to um, explore tarot from a place that is um, that is decolonized. So, okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that you did. Um, one of the questions I'm asking my guests at the end of every episode, oh, this is the first interview. So last season I was asking, um, those four questions at the very end. And this time I'm just asking my guests to give the listeners a challenge or resource to focus on in the next week. One challenge that I would have is for practice. So what, whether you do yoga asana or whether you pull tarot or whether you meditate, whatever it is that is your way of connecting with spirit, I um, invite you to do that once, um, I invite you to do that for the next seven days. And it doesn't have to be, you know, 60 minutes. It can literally be 10 minutes whatever you want, but try to do that for the next seven days and see how it goes. I love that. And what would be even more cool is if you tagged me and Irene or Irene and I yeah. in the seven day thing that you choose, that would be even cooler. <laughs> so we could see. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's um, because this is about practice. This is about embodying what mm-hmm. you are learning. So um, you can only read about tarot. You can only um, uh, read about yoga so much and you, you have to live it, right? Yeah. yeah, so true. You can only listen to us talk about online yoga for so long until <laughs> you decide to go take a class of Irene's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Wink, wink. laughs> awesome. Well, Irene, can you tell us where we can book tarot, what your Patreon is, and what your Instagram is, and anything else you can think of too. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Irene Yoga Flow, and you can also find my website at Irene Yoga Flow. You can subscribe to my newsletter in order to get my updates and latest offerings. But primarily, if you want to work with me right now, uh, you can work with me through patreon.com slash Irene Yoga Flow. I offer weekly vinyasa as well as yin yoga classes. I offer special workshops for radical rest each month, as well as personalized tarot readings, as well as private classes, depending on your tier. So it is a space that I'm growing and I would love to have you there with me. And um, if you would like to book private tarot readings as well, that can be found on my website. And I read tarot generally on Fridays over Zoom. Oh, lovely. That is so cool, Irene. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on too. You're such a treat. And I think all the work that you're doing is so cool. And it's so cool to learn about all the things that you're doing. Uh, And of course, there's a Women of Color Summit. Um, Do you have any new retreats or new cohorts opening up that we should know about too? Yes, our next offering is our group program, Deepen Your Spiritual Practices in Community. So we are going to be opening up registration pretty soon for our third cohort. So if you're interested, please sign up for our waitlist. And you can find that at Women of Color Summit on Instagram, Women with an X. And in our links in our bio, you can find the waitlist there. It's also on our website as well. Highly encourage you to come join us. This is a 12-week container. We have amazing guest facilitators. There's opportunities for you to um, discuss with each other, as well as be paired up as soul buddies, accountability buddies. So it's just a really um, beautiful space. And it's always such a joy to to facilitate. Um, So yeah. Awesome. Thank (laughs) you so much, Irene. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world to me and my guest if you would rate and review this podcast. Um, You can do that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify actually just created a new option to rate your favorite podcasts. Um, So that would be a wonderful way to help the show grow and also just to show me some support and love. Or maybe you'd like to send this episode to someone you think would benefit from it. Um, If you'd like to tag me or my guests on social media or comment on this episode post, you can find me on Instagram at empowered.spirituality. And on that Instagram uh, account, I also share things related to holistic health, uh, menstrual cycle awareness, uh, movement, 
um, and all kinds of things. So I would love for you to give me a follow over there. And lastly, I am taking clients for one-on-one session work. I offer three and six months programs with the option to keep going. Um, In these one-on-one coaching containers, we really get to do a deep dive of spirituality, if that's something that interests you, or if not, we don't touch it. Um, Movement, food, your menstrual cycle, if you have one. And we also really do a deep dive into our intuition uh, and our authenticity. And we also look at things like how much we're consuming alcohol and substances. And we use a really intuitive, flexible framework for approaching these things that we're really taught are strict uh, in our culture. So I'd love to see you over there. My website is empoweredspirituality.online and you can book a free consultation call. But until next time, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next Thursday.